Episode 41 of The Paul George Show welcomes Kelly Pease Lombardi and Chris Faddis. There are things that a man can communicate and provide that a woman just can't. You know, I really firmly believe that just in their very nature and vice versa. That was a big lesson to be able because you can't protect your kids from everything. I mean, you can certainly shelter them and shield them and, and be there for them and, and, and protect them. There's a lot of things you can protect them from. But there's just certain things you can't. The Paul George Show! Welcome to the Paul George Show. This week, Kelly P's Lombardi, Chris Faddis, Dad's Greatest Fears, and Paul's Inner Sesame Street character. And now, from Christ Our King Studios in Lafayette, Louisiana... The fatherly Paul George. Welcome to the show. Great to be with you today. Exciting show today. Woo! <laughs> Staring at Adam Conk, who's really excited. Well, I'm excited because you just said it was an exciting yeah, show. Yeah, I so. mean, I, I'm always excited about the show. We got a lot of cool things to talk about. And it's always good to see you, Adam. So You too, Paul. Yeah, it was cool. I just went on a trip. I uh, spoke at a conference in Ohio and uh, a conference in Ohio, like yeah. the youth conference in the whole country, sir. Yeah. Steubenville, Ohio. Yep. Rocking it. Yeah. How was it? Steubenville Youth Conferences, which is great. They have um, a bunch of these around the country in the summer. Maybe over between 50 and 60,000 young people go. That's a lot. Uh, in one summer, which is amazing. It's amazing outreach. Anyway, I ran into a few people who actually, actually from different parts of the country listen to the show you're kidding no i'm not kidding that's awesome yeah yeah so it's kind of cool did they say they liked it yeah i mean they listen i wouldn't listen to anything <laughs> i didn't like but i, I don't mean, know people like to look at you know disturbing images and things like that or horror movies for example yeah or... speaking of horror movies man <laughs> have you seen this what did you say that is so interesting oh for real though for real though okay so there are things that i'm afraid of okay oh, obviously uh, we all have fear of something. Yep. Okay. So I, I hate roller coasters, although I'll get on them. And I'm <laughs> afraid of heights, although I'll, Are you really? I'll do it. As a tall guy, that's kind of ironic. Yeah. The, well, the taller you are, the further you fall. You see? Oh. Uh-huh. You get that? Yeah. You're, you're not as close to the ground as everyone else. I just don't understand. Okay. I, like, I don't even like flying. Really? But I do it, yeah. You do it a lot. I know. Poor guy. But it freaks me out. Anyway. Uh, there's this really scary roller coaster, and there's two people on it. And the roller coaster engineer, the guy who presses the button for the roller coaster to go, is checking the people's seatbelts. He tells them their seatbelt isn't working, and he hits the button. So he plays this <laughs> prank on them. <laughs> These guys take off in the air. It's called the slingshot. Oh, All right, any roller coaster called a slingshot. I'm off. I'm not doing it. Oof. They, this one guy, literally starts yelling for his mom. He's a grown man. <laughs> An adult man. Adult man yelling for his mom. While his girlfriend is like enjoying it, having the time of her life right next to him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's not saying the, the best choice words, yes. but she's enjoying... Full disclaimer, if you look up the video. Yeah, she's enjoying the ride. Not but, for you kids. But he literally loses it. <laughs> like, <laughs> loses it. Is that what you would do on that ride? So I'm afraid of heights, I got to admit. Okay, but I will climb a tree, and I, you know I'm not gonna like panic. So to conquer my fear, okay, uh, I bungee jumped. Really? Yeah. So not recently, like a few years ago. Uh, 
went up in a crane and like 20 stories high so you're in like a this crane jump like metal basket on the top of a crane oh my goodness with a bungee cord 20 and stories I thought, high. you know like this is i'm gonna conquer my fear i'm gonna conquer my fear when i got up there like i literally inside now i couldn't say it outside because i was like <laughs> i'll get picked on for the rest of my life because i was there with some friends but inside i was thinking just take me down like i want to go like i don't want to do this i don't want to do this all right but true story. So I get up to the top. I got a bungee cord wrapped around me with this harness. And you put your toes on the edge. And they basically they ask you if you want it to go backwards or forwards. Like, do you want to look down? Or do you not want to see and just fall backwards? Okay, so I wanted to look forwards. If I'm going to die, I want to see myself <laughs> hit. I want to see myself hit the pavement. Okay, so here was what was really cool. Okay, I'm not making this up. So I get up there, I face forward, the guy's like counting, and I look down, and there is a safety pad at the bottom. Really? Yeah. That's nice. So on the safety pad, in huge letters, says Jesus. Really? (laughs) Really. Interesting. And I know this sounds crazy, but in that moment where I was freaking out and I was panicking and I didn't want to do it, although I, I, I felt like I needed to do this. I felt like I needed to conquer my fear, right? It, I looked down and the very words that I read, Jesus on the pad, and it was like all of a sudden is like, okay, I can do this. Hmm. And so I just told the guy, I was like, I'm ready. And he pushed me and, you know, I fell down and some words came out that I can't remember <laughs> what they were, uh, but I felt an immediate peace. It was weird. Hmm. Really strange. Well, okay, so let me get your take on this then, because it seems that in a lot of cultures that are maybe not our Western culture, this rite of passage idea, especially for men, yes. seems to be important where that very idea, like mm-hmm. you take them to the limit, yeah. and they have to go beyond it, and then they come back a man. Is that, I don't know, is that necessary for the Christian walk? Like, is there a point where we have to be willing to do fearful, crazy things for God to work with us? I, I think we need to take risk, and I think we need to conquer and overcome some of our fears. I, I'm afraid of speaking. I'm afraid of getting on stage. What? I'm not even joking. Uh, I've conquered that fear over time. Uh, but, you know, even this weekend, I had a younger speaker with me, and actually, uh, during this moment of stage, like, we were kind of co-leading something, and then I just I just asked him to take it over. And he's like, I don't, I don't know if I can. I was like, just do it. And it was this moment where, like, he felt like he was like, okay, you can do this. Like, you know, like, I could do it mm. because I've done it. But I want you to do it because it's, it's going to teach you how to do this on your own. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about that all through life. Like, we, uh, and you, you bring up men. I think, you know, we need to be taught, but then we need to be, be able to fail mm-hmm. doing something and then get back up and try it again and, and, overcome it i guess that was saint peter's story right i mean how many times did he fail in his three years with jesus by saying the wrong thing doing the wrong thing uh, especially when it counted the most yeah but maybe it was that willingness to just go out there that was directed by the holy spirit you know in the acts of the apostles that made him who he was yeah the word failure really bothers me and 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 i'll tell you why it doesn't bother me that we fail it bothers me that many people, and myself included at times in my life, have defined ourselves by failure. Mm-hmm. And the reality is we're going to fail much more than we're going to succeed in life. If we're doing it right. If we're doing it right. <laughs> if we're trying, if we're go- going at things and, and we're, we're moving forward in life, we're going to fail, like in a sense of the worldly sense fail. But God doesn't look at failure the way we look at failure. 
or maybe I have a different perspective because I was a baseball player. And one of the hardest lessons I ever had to learn was that in baseball, you your success rate is l- way less than the amount that you fail. So you can fail 70% of the time as a hitter, mm-hmm. and you're still successful. Yeah, like batting 300 is great. Batting 300 <laughs> is great. So unless you learn how to deal with the failure, the fact that 70% of this game, I'm actually going to fail, how do I get back up? How do I, how do I change my mindset? How do I you know, move on? That to me is life. I mean, I, we're, 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 I think we're baseball players in life in a sense of you know, our failure and uh, success rate. It, but we can't be defined by it. It can't define us. And I think for so many years, for me, f- those failures kind of defined who I was as a son of God or not a son of God. You know, I didn't know my identity. And when we live in that, it, it just takes over. And I was reading the scripture, Philippians 4, 6 through 9, which kind of ties us all together, which I love. It says, have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And then it goes on to verse 7. It says, then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So let's go back to that bungee jumping platform. So yes. you talk about experiencing a peace. Yeah. Is that the type of peace he's talking it about? It was like, like this anxiety left mm-hmm. in the moment. You know, I, I think fear and anxiety all are all connected, our stress, all that. And I think oftentimes we 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 don't invite God into that, into those moments, into our day, into our breathing, into our prayer, asking God, you know, I'm, I'm having anxiety right now. I'm having fear right now. I've, I've, you know, I'm, I'm lost right now. And this scripture is so comforting for these moments because it's not just comforting because we read it. It's comforting because it's true. God is real. Jesus wants to be with us, live in us, and his Holy Spirit wants... Uh, this, the, the word spirit means breath, ruah, right? wants to breathe in us, live inside of us. It's beautiful. So... What an inspiring episode. So Philippians far. 4, 6 through 9, have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So in, invite Christ into those moments, into your day, in, into those uh, negative thoughts, in, into the time where you feel yourself going down. Uh, like the way we pull ourselves up is not, uh, is not this self-help. It, it's asking Jesus to help us. To bungee jump with us. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> So anyway, we have a couple of guests on today. we got a lot of cool things to talk about, Adam. Thanks for listening in today. It's the Paul George Show. We will be with you. Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit solidarityhealthshare.org. That's solidarityhealthshare.org.
Welcome back to the show, Paul George. Great to be with you. Excited to have my every now and then co-host log- hey, hey. logging on, Kelly Pease. What you? What are you doing? I'm sitting on my back patio in my pajamas. I just got done coloring a birth with my daughter, and I am about to blow some bubbles, and that's it. The the day in the life of mom with small kids, right? Yes. Wait, did you say it. you were coloring Bert? Birthday cake. <laughs> oh, birthday cake. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, so Kelly, I'm reading your, your posts on Facebook, and I was cracking up. Um, <laughs> so we just celebrated Father's Day, okay? I was like, but you put this post about your husband, Joey, and he says, uh-huh. hey, this is funny. I, I love your humor. It says, man, I don't know how God did it when he made Joey Lombardi. God was like, hmm, let's see. I wonder if I can make someone with the good looks of Brad Pitt, the fighting <laughs> skills of Chuck Norris, the insight of Maya who? Angelou. Angelou, the tattoos of a convict, the quick wit of Wanda Sykes, Sykes the, the hands of a fat grizzly bear, the rapping <laughs> Kills of Biggie Smalls, he's he's a mi- a mixed a bunch of stuff up through the through in those baby blues, sprinkled on some wire wire nuts on top, and boom, there you have it, my hubby. <laughs> That's him. That's like the perfect description of him. Yeah, you literally just described him and all those things, and it's hysterical. What did he think about that? Uh, he loved it. He laughed out loud. That's like our love language of humor. I think. So um, he was really, that was the best gift I could have given him. He loved it. <laughs> y'all do laugh a lot, which is what I, I love about y'all as a couple. And one of the things that, you know, we're learning to do more in our house, have fun, laugh a lot. Okay. We just celebrated Father's Day not long ago. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I find, let's just talk honest about this. I find that Father's Day isn't as big of a deal as Mother's Day. Am I, <laughs> am I wrong with that? You could say that, considering the fact that I left for the weekend to go on a retreat, and on Friday, Joey called me, and he was like, hey, babe, Sunday is Father's Day. And I was like, uh, whoops, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So for Father's Day, you get to spend all day with your four young children. It's the best (laughs) gift you could ever receive, quality time. Okay, so my wife went on the same retreat with you on Father's Day weekend, and... uh, (laughs) And, and so I was thinking, and I was okay with it, like, go, this is great, all right? But I was thinking, there is no way that I would ever go away on Mother's Day weekend. Right, yeah, that might not go over so well. You're right. <laughs> so why? Why is it? Oh, man, I don't know, because you guys are just so tough and strong, and you don't need all that, like... Affection and affirmation. <laughs> I really don't know what how to answer that. I mean, it's just a made-up holiday, right, for Hallmark? Right. So you're saying fa- every day is Father's Day. That's right. Every day is Father's Day. That's what I'm saying, exactly. <laughs> well, I think it's great. I, I love the affirmation that you did, Joe, on Father's Day. Um, you know, just, just your love for him. Uh, but here's what I was thinking. I Honestly, like fathers to me, so I was at a conference Father's Day weekend and I got home late Father's Day evening and I got to see my kids. But <laughs> I, I do find oftentimes that Father's Day isn't as big a deal as Mother's Day. And, and granted, we can talk all about that. I don't have any animosity or tension about that. I mean, I think moms are the best thing ever. They, they give birth to <laughs> children. I mean, the sacrifices they make. I mean, I'm all in on Mother's Day, 100%, mm-hmm. right? Like all in. 
And if they never even made up a Father's Day, I wouldn't even think about it. But I was uh-huh. thinking on Father's Day, like the massive importance of dads, husbands and right. fathers who are engaged in their marriage and their family and, and dads that do that, the statistics show how much the family thrives because of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you can totally see why, you know, even as you look at your own heart and your own life, you know, how, how important it is as a person, as a human, to have a father in your life who says, I see you and I know you. Like, that carries you a long way through life. You know, that sense of security, I think, that a dad can provide. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think even culture, and, I, and I'm zooming out on large culture, you know, sort of the world, the secular culture. So I'm not so much in, in the church culture here, but but really the world that we live in. It seems as though the role of the father has been diminished and sort of this move of, you know, women's rights and feminism is like, you know, women do everything. And, and I'm and I'm zooming out big culture wise. And, and it's oftentimes I feel like men just kind of feel like they're they're just kind of secondary to the family. And that's just not the case. It's not the case. That's such a dangerous way to think because, yeah, like you say, I mean, whether you want to view it through a, a faith-based realm or not, facts are that, you know, there are things that a man can communicate and provide that a woman just can't. You know, I really firmly believe that just in their very nature and vice versa, you know. But the safety, like to me, it goes back to the safety. What an important piece of the puzzle that is for a human being to have that experience of safety. And I think that's what a a dad has the ability to provide, you know, by that engagement that you're talking about, you know, that presence. Yeah, absolutely. And men and women are equal, but have different roles. And those roles are important. And when those roles are played in, uh, you know, in who we're created to be as man and woman, we bring the wholeness of truth and security within the family. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you and I both come from divorced homes, and we know the effects of not having dad around all the time or mom around all the time. Right. You know, the, the, right. there's this tension. And then what happens is, you know, mom has feels like she has to fill all the gaps because dad's not around. Mm-hmm. So we get it. Like, mm-hmm. you and I get it. We understand the tension there. And yeah. I just won't really want to encourage men uh just to just to be affirmed and to take their rightful place in, in the leading their families and being bold and encouraging their children yeah, adam and i were talking in the first segment about how guys need this sense of initiation and a lot of guys just aren't initiated into fatherhood or shown what to do and so they just kind of wander and guys that are initiated in, in a sense kind of you know, they, they fail, but they learn as they go. And that's what I find for me mostly as a husband and father is I've failed more than I've succeeded, but my failures have taught me much more uh, about what, right. it, what it means to be a husband and father. Cause I, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And oftentimes I still don't. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, does anybody really, and it's hard to accept that it's really hard to accept that you're going to fail and you're going to mess things up. But yeah, like you say that you keep going and that you, you know, kind of teach your kids that lesson too. Like, Hey, we're all just trying our best. And like, we really love you. And we're just trying to be here. And sometimes that looks a little bit messy because we're a little bit messy, you know? And like, so inside the family structure, everybody learns this important lesson of like mercy and forward motion in spite of our shortcomings, you know? Yeah. We can't, we can't just uh, allow our failures to define us as parents and just say, well, I'm just not going to engage. I'm not going to get back up. I mean, we, you know, we're going to fail. We're not going to do everything right with our kids 
and with our spouses. I mean, we we really have to take those things and allow them to catapult us forward instead of sitting in our insecurity and in our lack, you know? Right, yeah, because I think there is such a knee-jerk reaction to just shut down in the ways that you feel inadequate. You know, and that's a huge thing for me. Like, inadequacy makes me want to just shut down because it's, like, embarrassing, you know, almost. There's a sense of embarrassment to not knowing exactly what I'm doing, you know. But you get on, like, the, the stage of parenthood and you realize that that's just not an option. I mean, if you shut down, then your kids lose, you know, something that they need. <laughs> right. Right. Everybody loses when we shut down, you know, and, and whether mom or dad's and I, but I do feel like a lot of times men shut down, their voice is shut down, their, their role is shut down. And, and, and in part, um, you know, them being just moving past the insecurity, I think is harder for men to say, you know what, I, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to talk in this situation or communicate or tell my kid what to do, but I'm just going in. And if I fail, I, I'm, I think that speaks a lot more than not trying. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I think that, uh, you know, the, the cross of Christ, like, means everything for us as Christians. You know, there's this song. I don't know if you've heard this song. It's been, like, my, um, you know, prayer jam these past couple of days since our retreat. It's So Will I. It's on the New Hill song uh, record. Okay. And it's all this. Um, so the line that's in my head as we're talking about this, it's like... Um, how on the like on the cross Jesus died to erase like all of our failures, you know, and then it said if you if you Jesus if you left the grave behind you then so will I, you know, and it's like this whole anthem for me to say, you know, there's so many ways in parenthood that like I'm dying out here, you know, dying to myself and dying like to a lot of insecurity and, and inadequacy and that's part of it but like if Jesus showed me this forward motion that he died that he you know was in the grave and that he left it behind him that's what I have to do too in my life you know not to stay in that not to stay in those places that that he really did die to you know erase yeah one of the one of the lessons I'm still learning is just to leave stuff in the tomb like, you know, leave it in there. Jesus walked out and, and left it all, all behind. He, he rose from the dead for a reason to conquer our sin and death and even our insecurities and our faults and failings so that we can, we can have a life that's moving forward that in, in freedom. And it's not always going to be perfect and easy. It is going to be messy. Uh, right. but, but as we close this segment, here's what I, just as a woman and a, and a good friend and, you know, of course the big reveal, we're cousins, uh, give just some, because. uh, just because, uh, give, give an encouragement this last 30 seconds to fathers out there, husbands and fathers. Yeah, just to the dads, like, we need you. You know, we need you on every level. We need your presence. We need your um, just engagement in our lives, you know, to just get, get down on the ground with your kids and just look in their eyes, you know. Make sure that you look in their eyes every day just to say that you see you see who they are. You know, that carries a child through life, I believe, in a major, major way. Huh. Amen. Kelly, thank you so much for yeah, hopping thanks on. thanks for having me. You're a rock star. All right. All right, go too. color, blow some bubbles. <laughs> thank you. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Uh, I got Chris Faddis on the phone at Faticus. On Twitter, Solidarity Health Share. Chris, how you doing today, man? 
Dude, I'm doing great. Just, uh, you know, hanging out. So. I thought it would be perfect. I was looking at the weather. You're in Phoenix, Arizona, and the last time we talked, you said you've always been in Phoenix when they've had like a massive heat wave in history. And so I had to call you because it's like 120 something degrees there. Yeah, man, it was like record. Well, I don't know if it was fully record yesterday, but it was pretty close. But, you know, uh, I think it was 120. So, you want to know what I was doing? What were you doing? I smoked ribs on I smoked ribs on the grill yesterday, Paul. Did you have to turn the grill on to smoke the ribs? Well, I thought about it. I thought about putting them out there with no heat, seeing what would happen. Uh, you know, people do that with the egg on the sidewalk, right? So, right. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I did use some I did use some coals, um, and I will say the char was a little bit it was a little hard, so I might it might have actually increased the heat from the heat outside. I don't know. Okay, so what does this look like for for all those who don't live in Arizona? Um, so it's 120 degrees out. Then you have your barbecue pit and that could be like 300, 400, 500 degrees, depending on what you're doing. So do you like run out, check the meat and then run back into the AC? Like, is that like the game you play? Yeah, totally. Okay. Totally. I mean, and that's the nice thing about smoking ribs is you don't got to be out there the whole time. You know, you're out there for like five minutes at a time. Okay. So yeah, I have a fan on my patio, you know, so I have the fan on and I got the grill going on the side of it, you know, so. Go back inside, get some ice water, you know, sit under the cooler, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, you don't hang out outside. No one's going to hang out. But the thing that's funny about it is if you've got an AC, you're okay. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and there's not much to complain about when you have air conditioner. I mean, we really are lucky. I mean, I live in a very hot state as well, and it's like, okay, we have air conditioner. Let's just stop complaining. But 120 degrees is a whole other thing. So, Chris – um, yeah. you, you and I have been knowing each other for a while. You know, we follow each other. One of the things that, you know, uh, I appreciate a lot about you is just your commitment as a husband and father. You know, you, you lost your first wife, Angela. You guys had two kids together you're remarried and now you have another two kids, right? Yeah. Two more. And a, a, one of them, a seven week old, just said. Had a baby seven weeks ago, so yeah. So you have four kids, uh, and you're you're kind of all in, uh, you know, as a husband and dad. Uh, what are, you know, like what are some things for you um, that have been really hard lessons learning, uh, <laughs> just as as a father. You know, I think, um, gosh, I mean, I think you know one of the biggest ones, and, and maybe this is too heavy to start with, but is we can't protect our kids from suffering. Hmm. You know, I remember when, when Angela passed, I remember having a conversation with, um, with our buddy, Matt Marr and saying, you know, the hardest thing is I can't tell them that something bad won't happen anymore. Right. You know, I can't say, Oh no, that's never going to happen because the worst thing just happened. Right. You know, and now the, the jig is up, but I got to be honest with them about suffering. And, and, um, and, and in, that was a big lesson to be able cause you can't, protect your kids from everything. I mean, you can certainly shelter them and shield them and, and be there for them and, and, and protect them. There's a lot of things you can protect them from, but there's just certain things you can't, you know? Um, and I think that was a hard one for me because there's definitely a level of surrender there. And then there's a level of, okay, so how do I make my, my kids feel secure in life? How do I make them know that even though I can't protect them from bad things happening, that it will be okay, you know? And, I mean, that was a tough one. That, yeah, that, that was a, a real heaviness, you know? No, that's a good one, Chris, because, I, I mean, I've even faced that in my own life. I mean, you know, you know, life, 
we all experience life and no one has a perfect life, whether, you know, we experience a death in the family or just hardship or financial things, or just your kids get picked on or make a bad grade or bullied, or they realize that they're not as popular as the other kid. You know, it's like all these things. And you do realize as a parent, there's certain things that you, you can't protect your kids from being hurt and suffering. And you mentioned this whole balance of how do you, you know, how do you help them to feel secure, right? And and to, and to know that they're safe, but yet to feel the pain of what is actually happening in their life, you know? And we face that many times with with our kids as well. It's a tough balance. Right, right. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that, like, and it's even today, you know, you find yourself, like, okay, so we're, we're five years, nearly five years after Angela passed. You, you find yourself in that. I think as parents, oftentimes we do try to, uh, kind of sugarcoat things for our kids, you know? And so, um, I often find myself going, well, I need to be honest with them. I need to make sure they understand that, you know, this could, this could happen and this, you know, this thing is hard and let them feel that, but also comfort them. And yeah, it's just, it, it is a balance. I think it's one of those things that we, we've, we fall prey to that idea of always making our kids feel good or always making them, you know, feel like nothing's wrong. When the truth of the matter is part of us teaching them to be, functional adults who don't live in our basement, you know, and actual have jobs and families is, is teaching them how to deal with life. Like if yeah. we don't teach them how to deal with life, then what is, what's going to happen when they're, you know, I mean, you just had your, your first child hit the graduation mark, right? So what happens? Like what, what, what does she do if you've never let her experience life yeah, and, and the hard parts of life? You no, know, I, I think you bring up a great point because I deal with a lot of millennials and since and young adults, college students who uh, can't find some traction moving out of the house, you know, whatever the case may be. And I think we do sort of live in a culture of parents, not all. I mean, I'm certainly not summing up everyone, but uh, who have protected their kids, given their kids everything, and have told their kids that they're good at everything. And I right. think one of the one of the greatest gifts that we can give our children is not only to be honest in everything and truthful, even if it's hard, but to let them know that reality uh, is real and they're actually not good at everything. <laughs> right, right. And they'll find the things they are. They'll yep. find their unique gifts, but maybe their unique gift was dance for a while, but then they're, no, they're not going to get into Juilliard, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> that's okay. You know, that, that's, that's nothing wrong with that, you know? But there's those movements that we have to help our kids through. And that, I mean, the perfect example of that, Paul, is that, you know, there are now today, and, and again, it's not everyone. There's some great people out there in this millennial generation, but there are there are parents who actually call their kids bosses as grown adults. They yes. like show up to interviews and they ask the boss for a raise for their kids. Like, yes, that's a scary thought. Yeah, man. it's because, a scary thought. You know, uh, the greatest you know the greatest accelerator of my career was a boss finally telling me like you're failing. Yep, you're screwing up. Yeah, you no, know, absolutely. And uh, and that made me that made me do better because I had to. I realized that I wasn't going to be handed everything. You yeah, know? yeah, that's yeah. You bring up a great point. I'm talking to Chris Faddis at Faticus on Twitter. Solidarity Healthshare, good friend. Uh, you know, we just kind of went through some of these lessons too, and it was hard for me because as a parent, you really do want to jump in and save the day. I mean, it's it's sort of our our normal reaction. So. Uh, it, you know, I do want to speak to that because we, we do, we want to, but it's stepping back and saying, what's the lesson here? You know, one of my kids applied for a right. job and didn't get the job and filled out, you know, something on there. And so they called her and said, you know, you, you interview great, but we're not giving you the job because you're whatever. And I said, call them back, 
call him back and explain. She's like, I can't do that. A part of me wanted to call the person back, you know, but I said, here's what you do. Right. Call them back, talk to them, give them some more details about your schedule and when your availability. And I mean, she was nervous to death, but she did it. And they called her back and said, we rarely have anyone do that. We're going to offer you the job. And that's awesome. I like, that's a lesson that's going to stay with her for the rest of her life. Yeah, right. That's like good parenting. Cause you did stand over her shoulder to give her the encouragement to do it. Right. So you didn't do it. I didn't right? do it. That's the, that's the, the balance I think that we've got to help them like push them. They do need to be pushed and, and encouraged, you know, and, and mine are all young still. I mean, Gianna's 10, you know, but, but I do look at her and I think, okay, like the, we're coming up on these lessons. I mean, you well, know, it starts uh, with homework. It, it, Marie was right? Marie was 10, what, last week, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It flies by, but it does. It starts with homework. It, you know, parents want to do their kids' homework. They want to go in and talk to the teacher and tell them they, need, they deserve an A before they even take the class. It starts right, with teaching right. them the hard work, uh, even when they're not getting it right, even if they're making a C. It's like teaching them the hard work to push forward. And that's hard because I, I know as a parent you do, especially as dads, you know, as fathers, we want to go in and wreak havoc, kick some butt, make everything right for our kids, um, you know, you know, beat the bullies up, the teachers up, get all A's, you know, our kids are the best. And it that just doesn't help them out long term. It doesn't cut it, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, and I think about too, like, you know, we think about it from a sense of like we want our kids to be, you know, functioning adults, right? But but we also got to think about it in the, in the spiritual life. Like, what do we want for them? And, and the bottom line is, I mean, you and I have seen this is, uh, in our life and the faith, you know, that it, sainthood doesn't come without suffering, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and God's plan for our children is that we all become saints and that we all get to heaven. Right. So, so we have to, we have to think of that from a Catholic lens too, of, Hey, like, I want my kid to be able to handle suffering. I want them to, to understand the goodness of, of hard times and hard suffering and, um, and even minor suffering, you know, the heat, yeah, I mean, yesterday is, it's just, it's amazing to me on social media, how many people are complaining and don't get me wrong, Paul, like it's hot. I'm not, yeah. I, I make light of it, but it, yeah, it is hot. Right. And, but what I think about is I, like, I looked at a post from St. Vincent de Paul and they're driving around with a water truck trying to give homeless people water. Like that's who I'm worried about. Right. The rest of us, like, I mean, even if the AC goes out in my house, I have AC in my car. Like, right. I can I can survive. Right. So, you know, as we wrap up this segment, Chris, what what would be from your perspective? Because we this is a great conversation, but and like one encouragement you would give, and particularly fathers, it's kind of been a theme of this show. What would be your one encouragement for them today? If you're loving your kids and you're showing up for them on a daily basis, like give yourself some some. Slack. I mean, I, I'm so hard on myself, I think. Chris, thanks so much. Chris Fattis at Faticus Solidarity Health Share. You're a great friend, man. Thanks for hopping on and uh, doing this with me today. You're awesome. No problem. Fun to, have, fun to be on. All right, bro. Talk to you soon. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity Health Share. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. 
great having Kelly Pease and Chris Faddis on the show today. Adam's been sitting over there in the corner quietly delirious, I should say. I'm just so happy. Two great guests. I don't even know what to do right now. Yeah, I know, but you've been making faces and, you know, you came out of the break with this weird voice you were doing. Yes. <laughs> it's just really funny. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to do like a Batman voice. Right. It didn't work for you. My kids are really into this Lego Batman movie. We won't watch it. Yeah. And um, that's the thing. If you're a Batman, you have a voice. I'm just not good at it. Right. Which probably way we should every now and then talk about some good movies that are out. But um, I have to find them first. We haven't, actually. And since we talked a lot about dads today, maybe we should see the movie Wonder Woman and talk about it. Because I hear it's actually kind of good. Really? But I haven't seen it. That's a great dad movie, Wonder Woman. Would it be weird a bunch of guys going to see Wonder yeah. Woman? Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Well, maybe I can have a woman who watched it to maybe see like it, your but I wife, maybe like a date, it. a date night, going a date for Wonder Woman. All right, so Adam, <laughs> what did you learn on the show? Today? I learned that apparently you are constantly afraid because as you start to describe your fears, right? it's things you live with like every day, like, like what, like being tall, okay, <laughs> so fear heights. Two, you're afraid of speaking, All right? You do that a lot. Three, you're afraid of flying, yeah. Okay, you do that a good bit. So. I'm impressed, man. You like live on the edge. I think life is, is just all about moving past our fears. I really do. So I just I have a new respect for you. You're a brave man. What did you learn? I learned that uh, actually fear equals success, man. Like honestly, it, it doesn't define us. It 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 leads us into victory in Christ. I, I really do. Um, and I learned that 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 the role of dads is pretty important. Wow. Yeah. You learned a lot. Yeah, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And I learned that I should take you bungee jumping. No, please don't. <laughs> You'd cry like a baby. I'd love it. I'd applaud you from the bottom. Like, good job, Paul. No, you man, can do it. You and I. We'll do it. Please don't. Double bungee. Please don't be serious. Double bungee. <laughs> don't do it. Come on. Would you? <laughs> I don't know. I'd pray about it. <laughs> All right. I prayed about it. You're going. All right. How about a uh, six pack of questions? Question. Question number one. I heard I heard one of the best sentences ever out of your mouth today when you were talking to Kelly Pease Lombardi because you said this sentence, and I'm quoting here because okay. I wrote quotes. Did you say you were coloring Bert? I thought she was talking about Bert and Ernie <laughs> from Sesame Street. I know, but that's a heck of a sentence. So my question is, mm -hmm. based on that, which Sesame Street character do you most identify with? Wow. Wow, 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 wow. You could take a second to think. Well, it's Big Bird because he's tall, but he's just so cheesy. I just can't do it. I don't see you as a Big Bird, no. And I don't think I'm Bert and Ernie. Okay. Well, Although I probably look like Bert. Big nose. And Oscar the Grouch. I mean, there's days I can identify with Oscar the Grouch. But it's, it, Oscar's like who I'm trying not to be. Mm. You uh, could combine characters. Snuffleupagus. Okay. That's who you are? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I'm a mixture between Big Bird, Snuffleupagus. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that image is quite compelling, too. You remember Putting those two together. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, number two. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned Kelly's post about her husband and include the tattoos of a convict. Yeah. Tell me about tats. You got a tat. What are your thoughts? Give me your tat thoughts. Well, thanks for that. Um, my thoughts about what tattoos? Yeah, I don't think you should really get them. Okay, that's my initial thoughts. 
But if you are going to get something, I think it, I, my opinion, because this is an mm-hmm. opinion, that it should have great meaning. So I have a scripture verse. It's small. It's not super big. But it's just what I feel like is like my mantra. Mm-hmm. And tell us about the scripture verse. So Second Corinthians 5.17, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, new things have come. Nice. Yeah. So that that's like that's like my mission. It's it, it's what keeps me going. So yeah, I got a tattoo of it, but it's not something that I would suggest for people. Gotcha. What about like a whole sleeve on your arm? You can't do it. Okay. You wouldn't be into that. I I just think that uh, you grow old with that. It's going to be with you forever. I put mine in place. You can't really see it. You know. Uh, you know. You get job interviews. You get old. Your skin's going to hang. I I just think of all those practical things. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Question number three. Kelly thought that safety was an important aspect of a relationship with dad, like feeling safe. Yeah. Can you elaborate? Like, do you know what she was saying? Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I think, the, you know, a lot of times dads think they have to do too much or say a lot. And I think a lot of times dads just don't they feel like, I don't know how to enter into that conversation or, you know, my kid's crying or emotional. I, I think, and Chris kind of mentioned this too, like one of the greatest things that we can do as fathers is be present. And the presence of a dad who's engaged in the family brings brings safety, brings comfort to the kids. And they, and they, they pick up on that. So a lot of times we think we have to do a lot, and really the only thing we have to do is be present. Hmm. And I think that's what Kelly was getting at. Cool. I like that idea. Yeah. Be present. Yep. Your gift, your presence yeah. is a gift. Yeah, be present. And, you know, practically times like turn off the TV. And just engage in, in reality. Or if your your kid's in their room by themselves, just walk in there. Talk to them about their day. There's little things that we can do to be more present, certainly. Right on. All right, question number four. So Chris said he had a seven-week-old. My goodness, that's wonderful. Um, but it's his fourth. And you can relate to this. Your, your fourth seven-week-old is different than your first. Tell me about your first new baby experience. How did it affect your life? Changed it, everything. It can be rough, right? The first, I think the first is... is the toughest transition. That's my opinion. You know, some people say, well, from two to three or three to four, I I just found from zero to one because it changes everything. It changes your, your sleep habits. It changes your time. It changes your routine. You know, I think it's harder than moving from being single to married because really when you're married with no kids, you're basically kind of two single schedules living together. Although you live in the same house and you communicate and you do things together. But that baby changes everything, and there's a lot of just sacrifices you have to make and changes that you have to kind of figure out. So did you walk around with bags under your eyes and not knowing what you were doing? Uh, we didn't sleep for the whole first year. <laughs> we did everything wrong, too, with, like, putting the baby to bed, and, you know, we were over overdid everything. <laughs> Those poor first children. Those poor first children. I apologize to my first all the time. <laughs> I'm so sorry I've messed up everything on you. All right, question number five. So how do you balance being super dad? Because you need to be. Like your kids need super dad. Mm-hmm. Dad can solve any problem, whatever. It's part of feeling safe, right? But how do you balance that and raise super children? Hmm. Like to where you don't stifle their need to, to handle stuff on their own. Yeah. I, I, I think kids grow up with, with wanting a hero, and I think they look at their dad. And you see sayings about that, like dad's a hero. And I think in part that that's good, but I do think that every kid grows up and at some point realizes that their dad's not a hero. Their dad's not perfect. 
So there's this balance of being this present father who's going to protect their kids and being real transparent and honest with your kids of letting them know that you're not perfect. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest lessons I've learned as a dad is to say I'm sorry. And most parents don't talk to their kids that way, like apologize to their kids. They do feel sorry because we, as parents, mess up all the time. We say the wrong things, discipline the wrong ways, you know, whatever the case may be. But I've learned that my kids appreciate the fact when I'm humble enough to just say I'm sorry, I did that wrong, you know. That helps them to realize that I'm not perfect. So they're not going to grow up with this sort of hero mindset of like, well, dad's just perfect, so I have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't want my kids to be superheroes. I want them to, I want them to be disciples, Jesus, mm-hmm. to understand their imperfections and to understand that they're in need of God, and that God can do really great things through them, even if they're just normal things every day. That's what I want them to know. So I don't want them to strive to be perfect. I want them to strive to be holy and faithful. Beautiful. Yeah. Question number six. What would you say to parents, and I think this is a lot of parents' situations, um, maybe with one child in particular, but what would you say to parents that really want a better relationship with their child and they don't seem to know how to do it? So, like, they'll try some things, it either backfires or, like, they just they feel like they're on the outside of their kid's world yep. and they want to get in, but they just, they just can't. I, and I do think a lot of parents kind of give up. By the time their, their kids hit teenage years, they really do. I find that a lot of parents stop parenting when their kids become teenagers. And it's actually the time that we should parent the most and the hardest. And I think parents get their feelings hurt because the natural reaction of a teenager is to reject their parent. And so we take it personally. And so therefore we don't engage in their life. So here's a quality that I think is really important for parents that I've had to learn and it's hard for me, but it's a quality, it's a characteristic that God has. God teaches us how to be a parent by the way that he fathers. And one of the unique characteristics of God in Scripture that I, that it, that's so powerful that teaches us is that he is a God who pursues his, his kids. He, he does not give up. He doesn't step out and step back. He's constantly pursuing all through the Old Testament, the New Testament. So we see this 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 father figure that, that pursues this God. That's the character that we should take on is in part that we should pursue our kids. So as they reject us, just move in patiently and continue to pursue them, have dates with them, talk to them, love them, push through the awkwardness and the insecurity and the rejection that they feel. How many times have we rejected God in our life? Has he mm-hmm. stopped? No, ever. So our role as parents is to kind of take on those same characteristics that God has for us and to show our our kids how much God loves them by those characteristics. So anyway, that's what I would say. Wow. Yeah. A great show today. Thanks to Kelly and Josh and Adam. You can find the show online on the website, paulgeorge.la, or on iTunes or on Google Play. Share the show with podcast listeners, those who listen on the FM dial. You missed the show, you can find it again. So anyway... Thanks again. Paul George Show. Talk to you next week. God bless.